That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Jake, today we're going to be talking about this place I see every time I drive to see my oldest child, who is a student in Houston. And I pass a little church on the way on Highway 6 called the Pentecostals. And that church is what today's readings are all about, right? Season of of Pentecost, Feast of Pentecost, it's all about, right? right? Yeah, sure. It's all about, uh, sure, sort of, ish. It's it's about Pentecost, but not necessarily Pentecostals. So, um, you know, if you're... If you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, which uh, I'm hoping about, you know, at least 70% of our listeners would claim to be, uh, you are Pentecostal because you have been touched by the Holy Spirit yourself. That's right. And uh, so, yeah. So and next so time I drive by, I should church. pull over and, and get out of my car and knock on the door and say, we all are. No, just be like, hey, brother, I'm the <laughs> rector of St. Albans, Waco. What do you think of that? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, so it is this time of year, 50 days uh, since Easter, uh-huh. and we every year f- f- uh, celebrate Pentecost, which used to be called Whit Sunday. Uh, still is. I prefer some places. that name. Yep, because the the the. Do you know white... why it was called Whit Sunday? We yes, but you tell us why. I have no idea. I'm no. asking you. <laughs> I thought you were setting me up. It's like a no. I, I can tell you the definition of a cruet or a narthex, but I cannot tell you why. What was Whit Sunday about? I'm pretty sure it has something to do with the uh, the like white. So it's a it's White Sunday, uh, mm-hmm. which you know that's kind of why they had to change the name a little bit. But mm-hmm. uh, I think it was a reference to the vestments. I mean, now we wear red. Um, and, you know, all these traditions change over time. Mm-hmm. People think that we've always done it this way, but that's not always the, not always the case. Um, but I think there was a time when you'd wear white, but mm. I'll, I'll look into it. That could be totally wrong. And if I am wrong, please send your email <laughs> comments to Jacob Smith, Jacob Smith at jacobsmith dot com. com. Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, so today is Pentecost, and today is the uh, giving of we we celebrate the giving and the receiving of the the giving of the uh, the Holy Spirit by God, the fulfillment of God's promises that He would not leave us as orphans, His very presence in the midst of His perceived absence, and uh, really, what a great day it is to know that uh, God is more close to us than we could possibly imagine. He actually is so close, he's dwelling in our hearts. Amen. So there are some reading choices here, and we're going to start with Numbers 11, Mm -hmm. which is our Old Testament reading, and then we're going to use the Acts reading, which is kind of the main description of of Mm -hmm. the events of the first 
Feast of Pentecost. And then we're going to, we've, we've chosen for you guys, our dear listeners, to talk about the passage from John 7 instead of the passage from John 20, because that's part of the post-resurrection narrative with Thomas, and we've already covered that on Easter 2. And also, it's always a little bit confusing to people I feel like when there's the John 20 reading of Jesus giving the Holy Spirit by breathing on them, and like, how does that fit together with Pentecost, which we're not going to deal with on this podcast. But I will say uh, that's one of the reasons why we're doing the John 7 reading, uh, Mm -hmm. where it gives Mm -hmm. Jesus promising. So promising sending the Holy Spirit. So it's a little funny. John 7 um, is sort of, you know, it's like the prequel to the Acts uh, 2 reading, but it'll come last in the readings and hopefully your folks can figure it out. So let's dive in, Jake. Numbers 11, uh, mm-hmm. 24 to 30. Moses, Medad, Eldad, Medad. I love these names. Mm-hmm. If I was in sixth grade, I would chuckle in church if I heard about Eldad and Medad. What about Yodad? What do you want to say about it? Anything? <laughs> I want to say, <laughs> I was waiting for you to, me dad, yo dad. Anyways, I was waiting for a, for a laugh and I didn't get one, but thank you for humoring me now when I indicated to you that I needed it. Okay. So a couple things to get. One is the presence of the Lord in the cloud. This is um, around the tent, the tent of meeting. This, and what's significant, if you're going to preach about this, you might want to tell people this is not just any old tent. This is the tent uh, the tabernacle that holds yeah it's like the worship space it's the movable temple uh it is got a kind of an outer uh wall around it and then inside there's a special holy of holies and that's where the ark of the covenant is uh there's incense this is a place where sacrifices take place there's 70 elders around moses because he's uh, wisely sharing the the work of leadership of the people of israel um, and, uh, God comes down in the cloud and it says, it speaks to Moses and some of the spirit that was on him, God takes that and puts it on the 70 elders and they prophesy. So one of the things to mention here is that the, the Holy Spirit is not something that nobody knew about until Pentecost. The spirit of God was mm-hmm. absolutely, well, you know, there was no full throated Trinitarian understanding of all this sort of stuff. And as the church would come to figure out thousands of years later, but there was an understanding of the spirit of God. And this spirit though was a temporary thing. It's described as resting upon these 70 elders and being sort of a, a temporary thing. But then it says, but they did not do so again. So, the Spirit comes and goes. Also in the in the Old Testament, you'll see the Spirit come on King Saul uh, centuries after this passage. And there's a similar deal where Saul receives the Spirit and prophesies and all that sort of stuff. So the Spirit of God dwells on people, but only for a limited, a limited time. Uh, and so one thing to note if you're going to preach on this is, you know, you'd have to note the fact that there's this amazing thing that as Christians— we have the Spirit not only just resting on us temporarily, but with us forever. Um, and, yeah, so that's that's the first thing I would say. I haven't gotten into Eldad, Medad, etc. But anything else you would add so far, or do you want to go straight to the, to the dads? No, I think the context is very the context is very important. You're absolutely right. They are on the base of Mount Sinai, and they are about to um, make the final kind of stretch towards the promised land. And... Uh, 
And it's important to note that they have been complaining prior to this. They are longing uh, for Egypt again. They've kind of had it with Moses. They've had it with the wilderness. You know, they have had it with about everything. And so um, this is kind of the the context that's happened. And um, well, um, and, and then they've been uh, then their their start. There's a crazy person right outside my window screaming. I don't know. If we it's can't. We up, can't. No, I can't hear it in the mic. But uh, it's, it's causing me to lose my train of thought. But there's someone <laughs> yelling all sorts of expletives out my window. So anyway, but <laughs> New <laughs> the York, people are, the, city the people are complaining. Sleeps. The people are complaining, and uh, and they're they're wishing that things were better. And then what happens is uh, the Lord comes down. And uh, this is what's basically happened. Uh, the Lord, the Spirit has come down and is resting upon these, uh, these particular elders close to Moses. Yeah. Uh, so we've got also the, the cool thing here where these two men, this, this shows this sort of indiscriminate, unfair grace of God where, as we say in our right one liturgy you weigh not our merits but pardon our offenses uh um i was talking to somebody else about the the holy spirit and uh the the um way it just kind of oozes out into places where it's not supposed to go so these two men remain in the camp what are you gonna say but well this but this is but it falls upon them but it says but they did not do so again Yes. And uh, this is the incredible. This is the incredible part. So you remember, they are under the mosaic. They, they're under the. They they have vowed that they are going to obey the law. You know, remember when Moses comes down in Exodus and he comes before the people with the tablets of the law, and they say, "All this we shall do." And then it's like within a moment of minutes, they've got a gold. They're constantly. Uh, they are constantly pushing God away. And uh, this is uh, this is the very powerful thing, and this is the wonderful thing about what we celebrate about on Pentecost is that God's presence here, unlike the Mosaic covenant, is not contingent. The New Covenant says that God's presence in your life is not contingent upon your faithfulness. Mm. And you begin to see that in the fact that Eldad and Medad received the gift of the Spirit. That's right. And they're outside the camp. or So they're, they remained in the camp, but they're not like in the tent. They're not part of the Holy Club. They're not on the vestry. They're not some of the special clergy exactly. people. They are. Uh, they they had not gone out to the tent. So and they're it's out embarrassing. Of the camp with like the, you know, the unwashed masses, the hoi polloi, um, the, uh, the nosebleed seats, as it were. Not the club seats, not the VIP room. These are folks who are just uh, nobodies. And mm-hmm. uh, Joshua, he got a, um, you know, pe- people start tattling, basically. So the mm-hmm. young man ran and tells Moses, oh, my gosh, there's unauthorized prayer happening out in the camp. And then. You know, Joshua is like, we gotta, we gotta put a stop to this. Um, and Moses very beautifully says, "No, we wish that everybody was a prophet." Like the, the the idea is like the spirit is not supposed to be contained in this little holy huddle, but it's actually supposed to go out to everybody, which we'll see in Pentecost. But this is this is sort of what the gospel looks like. Um, people yeah. who are who are not supposed to be in the in the club get in the club to quote fifty cent. Well, not only th- th- yeah. N- and but so here it is. Yeah, absolutely. The spirit is fallen on these two guys on the outside, and this is uh, what M- Moses says to them: "Are you jealous for my sake?" Like Moses is actually livid by this request, uh, because uh, 
So you're complaining that, you know, you, you wish life was better in Egypt. You're wishing like this, you're wishing that. And now the manifestation of the spirit appears in a place you don't, you don't even know who God actually is, you know, and yet you, you want, you want to stop this, you know, are you jealous for, because it's not happening where you expect. And this is the very powerful thing too, is, is that like, yeah, like you said, is that, um, God makes his presence known where we least expect it. And so when he says, are you jealous for my sake? He's calling these guys out because so often we are concerned with the wrong things. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we are concerned with, we're concerned with, uh, you know, are, is the candlesticks in the right place? I remember um, uh, a well-known seminary that doesn't exist anymore. And um, I had a field-based student there and um, they literally were tripping out at her because she didn't have her hands crossed in a certain way. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? It communion her hands weren't like the thumb her left thumb wasn't over her right thumb or whatever that is (laughs) like that's the big thing you're freaking concerned with that i'm wearing brown shoes and not black shoes under my cassock and you don't even you're like wondering what the if there's the resurrection of jesus actually happened you know you're discussing super versus actual history this is moses's point is that we get freaked out over the wrong things. And the fact of the matter is, is that, man, God's presence, God longs to be with you. He longs to be with you. And he's going to manifest himself in places you dare not want to look. And and thank God for his mercy, that it is not contingent upon your faithfulness, but upon the faithfulness of the one whom Moses pointed to, Jesus Christ the righteous, for you. And, so. I, and I would take that point uh, about, uh, you know, focus on the, the little things that don't matter versus the big thing, Jesus is Christ, victory over death, sin, and the devil. Uh, and I would say, not only do we not focus on the wrong things, one of the things in this passage specifically is <laughs> worried about the right kind of people. And who God is allowed to speak through and whatnot. And there's so much finger pointing and finger wagging in the Christian community about who's, Mm. who's, who's got it right. And basically every Christian denomination or group has got something wrong and probably more than one thing wrong. And yet God is working through them. And I wish it weren't so there's lots of people on my Christian groups. I don't like list. Um, but maybe God is even working through them. And maybe there are some areas where we need to look at the plank in our own eye and not the splinter in others. That's really good. Um, the thing about black shoes, that is important though, Jake. <laughs> that is crucial. I've actually been, I've been barked at too by people about black. And I'm just like, so, you, you know, it looks cooler. I agree with you. But, yes. You know. I just had some, uh, this is a very Texas ministry story, some wonderful people in my church offered to, to get me a, a pair of nice cowboy boots. And, uh, and I, they, they said, go to this website, pick out whatever kind you like. And, uh, and I did. And they're kind of this like caramel color, kind of a brown. And, uh, and they said, oh, I can't wait to see you wearing those on Sundays. I was like, oh, well, actually... In the Bible, it says I can't wear brown shoes on Sunday. No, I didn't say that. But I said, you know, generally wear black. And he's like, well, I'll get you some black ones too. So praise the Lord. He provides. Living in Texas. Living in Texas. It's the real deal. Okay. So. I, I would love some Burgundy Justin someday, just in case anybody's listening. Size 12. <laughs> 
keep it keep that in mind um you heard it here first <laughs> next week remember we talk about wd-40 it shows up we'll see if it works when the when the thing costs like a thousand that's times exactly more. what was going through my mind <laughs> all right so we come to Why acts Justin's? chapter two verses I, one I, to would, I don't know it's just that those were the uh, preferred boots of uh of uh, the southwest corner of arizona so mm. i don't know either that or red wings and i did rock some red wings for a while but anyway acts moving chapter on two ver- <laughs> What's Jacob's footwear wearing? Yeah, That's so right. um, uh, Jacob does has seven toes, so make sure you get uh, the extra whites. Uh, little known facts. It's a little freakish. Um, Acts two one through twenty one. The day of Pentecost had come, as we said last year and the year before that. If you're new to this podcast. Uh, it says when the day of Pentecost had come, it doesn't mean that it was the first Christian feast of Pentecost. It was. It means there was an existing feast called Pentecost. Uh, that had been celebrated for low these many years. This was an, uh, I mean, this goes back to, um, the giving of the law, the giving of the law. This is where the numbers time. Yeah. This is 50 years after the 50 years, 50 days after the Passover, Israel lands at the base of Mount Sinai and Moses goes up and receives the law. There's a lot of context here to help you understand it because the real emphasis here, my friends, is not on the fact that the apostles were praying in tongues, but the emphasis is on the fact that you have everyone from the diaspora coming and Peter drops a killer sermon. So there they are on the day of Pentecost that all these people would have grown up celebrating. This is in Jerusalem. This mm-hmm. is a big Jewish feast, the Feast of Booths, where you go outside and you build a booth in your or out, outside your house. And it's sort of like mm-hmm. a first fruits sort of deal and yep. the giving of the law and all of this. Uh, and this is in- also at that time the one service that was like uh, prescribed. It had to be done in Hebrew. So my uh, neighborhood, I used to live in Brookline, Massachusetts, which has a large Jewish population. And you go for our evening walk and you see people in their backyards, these booths built. And it's mm-hmm. so this is still uh, celebrated today. So the disciples are together. And then you have this, you have a couple of things, wind and fire. And this is indication of the presence of God. Uh, imagery from the book of Exodus, from right. the top of Mount Sinai, and also imagery from the book of Ezekiel as well. So. And God showing up as a burning bush when he appears to Moses mm-hmm. in Exodus. You've got also the the wind, you know, echoing creation, the, the spirit mm-hmm. of God over the waters. A new creation, new people. All of that stuff is going on here. And so pick any of your metaphors and you can use it. The thing about fire, though, fire always means the presence of God. And typically it means judgment. Uh, and so the fact that fire appears and does not burn up the disciples but rests on them is similar to sort of when the burning bush uh, confronts Moses. The bur- bush is burning, but it is not consumed, meaning fire is this presence of judgment, but there is mercy there. It is actually not, it doesn't burn the thing up. And here are the disciples themselves, there. the fire is there, um, and they are under the mercy of God. So this thing, which not only means judgment, is actually, it doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't judge them, uh, because Christ has been judged uh, already in our place. So they prophesy, and this spirit is given to them, uh, and it's not going to be a temporary basis, like a blockbuster videotape that you have to return. Uh, it's going to be <laughs> something that is there with them permanently. Um, and and it's, as you said, Jake, the point is not that they can speak in these, you know, and do this parlor trick, speak in different languages. Um, they're given actual languages to speak so that they can proclaim the news of Jesus Christ yes. to these the folks mighty, who are in Jerusalem. 
the mighty acts of God. How is it that we are hearing these mighty acts of God uh, and uh, God's deeds and power in our own language? And what is the mighty acts of God they're hearing? How Jesus is the Messiah who has fulfilled the law of Moses. Asterisk, footnote, please make sure you prepare your lectors for this passage so that when she or he... (laughs) approaches to read that they have practiced saying Parthians, Medes, Elamites, Judea, Cappadocia, or you'll really see somebody have a very difficult Sunday and they will um, never want to read again in church. Mm -hmm. So this is one of those, make sure you have your Cretans. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay. So um, there's this thing with, uh, yeah, so then people hear these languages being spoken, hear about God's power. And they think that they're drunk. Maybe they're speaking excitedly, speaking loudly. Um, and Peter says, no, we are not. And um, it's only nine in the morning. It's only nine. It's a, so uh, my good friend, I say this every year. It wouldn't be a Pentecost episode if I didn't. My good friend, Ali Hanna, uh, used to say, well, clearly there was no one from Ireland there. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So uh, sadly, that is a case, the thing that happens in many places still to this day. Um the uh, the thing then Peter gets up and says is uh, he reminds them of a prophet of the prophet Joel, um, which some years it is one of the readings for the Sunday, so you can sort of see where it comes from. But basically, it's the same idea, same spirit as the numbers reading, which is that the spirit of God doesn't fit into the neat containers that we would like it to be only with the holy people or the people who deserve it or the people that have a good spiritual report card. Um, The idea, God says, is to pour out my spirit on all flesh. And it's not only for sons, it's also for daughters, which is a big deal in the ancient world to talk about um, this gift of God, God's presence, God's spirit being not only with men, but with women. It's, it's young and old. It's slaves, um, and people who are sort of not that like it's it's people who would have been at the bottom of the social rung with no real rights in society and those who are at the top so it is for everybody and that is that's a big deal and i think i'll i'll hand i'll I'll turn turn the mic back over to you jake but i think one of the things to say that's important um i think what i always want people to take away from pentecost is that god the holy spirit is with them and in them if they are in christ um it's I, I want them to understand the history i want them to understand the context but i also want them to understand what it means for them and if we are christians if we are in christ it means that god lives in us and is actually working in you already like i want people to leave church and be like wow god dwells in me and not in some sort of like woo woo there's a spark of the divine in you and a spark of the divine in me. No, it's, this is God dwells in you, which is mind blowing. And in the, and if that begins to sort of take your breath away, like there's no way like depart from me for I'm a sinful person. Yeah. But that's what Jesus has made possible because he has cleansed you from all unrighteousness and brought you from death to life. And so because of that God can dwell in you. So now your turn. Thank you. No, um, <laughs> you have, I, I yield was, the rest uh, of my time to the gentleman from New York. I, well, I was just thinking about this in light of, um, so yesterday I had an interesting conversation with um, a young person who was thinking about ministry, and I asked them, what, why would you be interested in, in the ordained ministry? Why do you want to do this? And 
the particular person said, well, I really want to get in there and I want to get my hands dirty and I want to work through the church for, uh, you know, uh, all of these different things. And I just want to, uh, you know, I want to, I want to do something. I want to like use my hands and get dirty with the people. And, uh, I think it's interesting here in the day of Pentecost, the one God falls on with tongues of fire, not hands of fire. And uh, it falls with tongues of fire because the primary job of the preacher is to preach. And uh, faith comes by hearing. Um, this is what prophecy is all about. Speaking, the, not just necessarily predicting the future, but speaking the word of God. Um, like the prophet Jeremiah said, I have a burning fire in my bones and it just can't sit still. And that is so that is what's happened is, is that they, their tongues have been set on fire to preach this message. They now understand that everything that the law and the prophets were pointing to has uh, come and found its fulfillment in Jesus. And this is why he kept, uh, quotes Joel, because here it is. And what Joel is looking forward to is the same thing that Moses was looking forward to in our numbers reading, that all of you would perish, you know what I mean? Because now that which is matters, that which is of chief importance, Jesus Christ for you by the power of the Holy Spirit dwells within you. And so you yourself can prophesy as well. You yourself can speak the good news of Jesus Christ and um, his death and resurrection for you. Hmm. Well, the day of Pentecost... I think we've now we got to go to Tabernacle. John. Oh, that's right. Look at me all excited. <laughs> I, was, I felt like I'd said all I needed to say. It's like, wait, what? Oh, yeah. All right. So we go back in time from the events of Acts chapter 2 to the events of John 7. Jesus is still present on earth, and it's the last day of the festival. It's this Feast of Booths. It's the same time of year. It's September, October. Um, is when uh, this would have likely taken place. Um, and it says, the great day, the last day, Jesus is standing there. He cries out, let anyone who's thirsty come to me, and the one who believes in me drink, as the scripture said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. And John, thankfully, tells us what this means. He says this is about the Spirit, which they were to receive. For as yet there was no Spirit because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now we know the Spirit of God exists. We've already read about the Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, in the Numbers reading, and of course, um, other places. But what this, what John means is that the Spirit had not been given permanently to the believers uh, yet, because this is, it, Jesus was not yet glorified. He'd not yet died and risen again. So Jesus talks about what the Spirit looks like in the life of the, of the believer. And... Um, there's two things that Jesus identifies that I think would be imminently preachable. One is that people are thirsty. Um, this is where I would, as a preacher, kind of camp out for a little while and talk about the ways we are thirsty. Now, I realize the word thirst has been totally ruined among the, the younger generation and now has become a synonym for um, being attracted to a person. Uh, and um, uh, those... Uh, 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 you know, the term thirst trap, etc. But 
So I just say that because if you have a lot of young people in your congregation and you start saying thirsty, 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 and you realize there's a 14-year-old sort of snickering in the back row, um, maybe that's why. But take the word back, talk about it, um, because basically John here is helping, as he describes the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, is helping us see that Jesus sees people as um, people in need, people who are, uh, you know, basically in the desert parched and needing water. And so I would talk about the ways we, we lack, the ways we feel lonely. Um, Jake, you and I are in a text thread that was going around today about um, the epidemic of loneliness and how like to be lonely is the equivalent in terms of a health outcome perspective as to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Like it just, it, it's really awful. And so people are thirsty for relationship, for friendship, for connection, for meaning, all kinds of ways. Um, and Jesus sees people that way. And that's a key to understanding um, the compassion of Christ. Jesus is compassionate because he sees what we're really going through, the wounds, the traumas, the difficulties, the, all that. So Jesus, that's the first thing I would talk about. And then I would say, Jesus says, come to me, come, come to me, um, because uh, I will give you water and then from you flow living water so many sermons i think ask people basically we want to see more living water in your life we want you to get your act mm. together we want you to, to to just be out there in the world looking like jesus and it's like no you got to back up two steps first identify the fact that we're thirsty second identify the fact that jesus is the place where we get that water that we that we desperately need so that's what i would talk about and then uh yeah know. yeah it's yeah, well, like you said, it's the the feast of um, <clears throat> tabernacles, and one of the things that they would do um, during this festival is that it, it was a six day festival, and what would happen is is that the priests would march from the pool of Siloam, and they would fill these huge vessels with water, and then they would uh, go and uh, as they were marching, everybody would be singing uh, from Isaiah. They would sing this uh, crazy song. We sing it in the Jubilate. So. Rejoice as you draw water from salvation. It's not that boring, Aaron. Please don't say. No, yeah. I just, Jay, um, I just but, yawned. A huge yeah, therefore, yawn. with joy, you will draw water out of the wells of salvation. And then they would pour this. They would pour these just huge, you know, vats of water all over the altar and all over the temple. And so, and this would, uh, it would remind them of like the fact that um, the rock that yep. gave water to Israel in the wilderness, uh, just nonstop. And so um, it was just this, this big thing, but guess what? It came to an end. And so I like when I preach on this particular text, I touch on the existential part. You're absolutely right. Everybody's like thirsty for something. And, um, uh, and these people were thirsty for something as well. And even we're trying to like quench our like ultimate thirst with even religion and piety and these things. And ultimately the water would stop. And so this brings kind of a real sense of power to when Jesus stands up and says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and let anyone who believes in me drink. As the scripture said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. And this connects to what St. Paul says. So like, you know, people will always say in 1 Corinthians, when he compares Jesus to the rock that spit water, and a lot of people are like, well, why doesn't God like do things like he did back then? Why doesn't, you know, he like caused tongues of fire? Why doesn't, you know, this or that happen? 
And the fact of the matter is, is that he does. Mm. And uh, he does it and he's given you living springs to quench your thirst. Go back to your baptism where you were buried with Jesus in water. You know, be nourished by his bread that never stops. The bread that is his body and the wine that is his blood. And uh, be carried with that. And uh, you yourself, I mean, and this is how we would connect all these readings together. And you yourself will prophesy as you glorify God for meeting you in your life, right where you're at, quenching your thirst and satisfying your hunger with his very self. Yeah. I love this picture of of God that we see in Jesus, uh, that he, he, he just... I don't know if you've ever yelled out in a public place <laughs> uh, to a lot of people. Uh, it's not something you normally do unless you're under extreme duress. Um, but just imagine walking into the, you know, I don't know, some crowded being, but like, hey, mm-hmm. anyone's thirsty, come to me and believe and drink. Like, believe in me. I mean, it's a mm-hmm. bold thing to say in front of all these people. It's crazy. And, like, it's, it's a, for many people, they find it embarrassing. People hate speaking in the public, whatever. And now, he, like, everybody would turn, you know, the record would skip. Somebody would drop a glass and everybody now look at him. And it's like he's, and he's making this audacious claim. Like, come, like, yeah. I, I'm, it's a, it's a claim to divinity, uh, to drink from me, kind of the rock and all that stuff they would have had all in mind. And, um, if you do this at, at my church, you get kicked out, you know, if you do this yeah. in the middle of a service. But Jesus, mm-hmm. he's so desperate to connect with people. He just loves people, seeing them like a sheep without a shepherd. He wants to, to bring them home. So and, it's, it's, that's, that's the heart of God for you. And in that act, he almost, well, in that act, he not almost, he becomes the new Eldad and Medad. Mm. who are prophesying in the camp. And, you know, well, that's not how it's supposed to go. You're not the one who's supposed to do that. I didn't see you with a, you know, a, uh, um, an urn of water. You know, what are you doing? And uh, and uh, in this, he becomes like the new Eldad and Medad who prophesies in your life. And, you know, you're, you have been touched by the Holy Spirit. That's the, that's the key thing. This, they didn't recognize it because the Spirit hadn't revealed it to them, you know, because Jesus hadn't been glorified. But Jesus has been glorified. He's been glorified by being lifted up on the cross for you, rising for you, ascending for you, and fulfilling the promise of giving you the other, the Holy Spirit. And now with the eyes of faith, because your ears have been touched, uh, well, you can see Jesus glorified in ordinary things as well. Uh, The gospel preached and bread and wine and uh, rejoice that he knows and has saved you. Well, that'll do it for Pentecost. You've heard Jake uh, um, get deep, and you've also heard Jake sing, and I, that was a bonus for me on this episode. <laughs> Next week, he'll be doing a medley, a, a tribute to um, Harry Belafonte and uh, of recent memory. May he rest in peace. So Who I love, by the way. I love Harry ama- He is amazing. Yeah, I wish you would so, do a medley of anyways. Okay. Dude, dude was legit. He anyway. Was. All right. Good. Uh, we'll see you guys uh, as we get into Trinity Sunday. Every curate's favorite mm, Sunday. God three bless. and one. Bye. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him, but three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. And yes, Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. 
Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll. You see-